And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. Here he is, Michael Savage. Hello. Hi. How are you? Hey, Dr. Savage. Could you hear me? You look uh, wonderful. Thank you very much. Not as good as you. Looks like you just came back from a trip to Miami. I'm joking. (laughs) I wish. I wish. Where are you? In L.A.? I'm in Montreal right now. Oh, wow. When my mother's from there, God rest her soul. I have great memories. I think I told you that. Yeah, you did. It's an amazing connection. You said in uh, uh, near Mount Royal, correct? So all I remember is drinking tea in an English teacup in some, <laughs> rel- in some relative's house. And the tea tasted better than any tea I've ever had since. You know, childhood memories magnify things. When you like somebody in a place, everything's magnified it's like remembrances of things past and the petite madeleines in that uh, great uh, piece of fiction from yesteryear that nobody knows about savage michael savage a host like no other middle east on the brink north korea on the brink iran increasing its aggression elections in taiwan look there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season how have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy you think it can happen here it can happen here but it's not too late to diversify an old ira or 401k into gold and birch gold group can help you with that birch gold is the only gold company i trust as opposed to many other investments gold Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989-898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989-898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. So this is Josh Kaplan from Breitbart News. And Dr. Savage, I wanted to kick off our interview with asking you about your brand new book, A Savage Republic, Inside the Plot to Destroy America. Dr. Savage, you have written many books, some of them number one New York Times bestsellers. Whenever you publish a book, it is always a must read. But something tells me that this book, A Savage Republic, is the books of all books. If there's any book right now that is important that has to be read, it is this one. Dr. Savage, tell me, why did you write this book and why is it a must read? Thanks. Thanks, Josh. I I began writing this book a couple of years ago. And the reason it's so crystal clear in all these chapters is that most of it was taken from my um audio recordings of my appearances on Newsmax TV over the last three years in combination with background material that 
augments what I was saying. So the statements are very crisp and very clear. They were made for a TV audience, so they're understandable and, and graspable pretty easy. But when the book was conceived, it was conceived by my last editor who said, I'd like you to write one last book. And I said, well, it'll be the sin qua non of all my books, the combination of all combining my fundamental theory of borders, language and culture as the basis for a nation. And that was the formation of the conceptualization of the book that I was writing. What happened was along the way, um, things happened. I left Newsmax. Now I'm back with Newsmax. I have a new publisher, which we picked up at the last minute. But if you if you actually look at some of the chapter heads inside the plot to destroy America, can I just read some of the heads, uh, Josh? Absolutely. The civil war is here. Now, who could argue with that? We're in a civil war. In other words, people say, well, oh, no, we're not in a civil war. And what I wrote was this. We're not going to see massive armies of Americans marching toward each other. It's a war of ideas. Americans are roughly split into three political groups, conservative, libertarian and progressive. And it is this last group that has declared war against the other two. Very clear. I still agree with my own statement. So, yeah, the civil war is here, unfortunately, and we're losing it. When you see idiots lauding Osama bin Laden on college campuses, how can you say we're not in a civil war and we're losing? I, I don't know how anyone, how anyone could say that. Absolutely. When, and when you see the hatred for Jews after 1400 innocent Jews were slaughtered while I was sleeping by a an army of subhumans, because most armies don't do this to civilian populations. They might capture them. They might trade them for hostages, but they don't slaughter babies and the elderly and rape the women. This is what ISIS did when they were rampaging across Iraq and Syria until they were stopped by Trump and Putin with the combined air forces of Russia and the United States. So you could say Hamas, but you're really saying ISIS. You're really saying Al Qaeda. They're different heads of the same subhuman streak within radical Islam. These are not within the ken of humanity. That's why I say subhuman. I know it's a loaded word. I wouldn't call people human who do a thing like that. I'd call them subhuman because they've fallen below the level of humanity. That's what I mean. Now, the book, the book is very comprehensive. It touches on cancel culture, out of control immigration, business destroying lockdowns, crime going crazy, silencing of free speech, threats of freedom of religion, and much, much more. Dr. Savage, what are the forces that you expose in your book that are a part of this plot to destroy America? I can say it in one word. It begins with an S and it ends with an S. George Soros has done more harm to this nation, in my opinion, than all the armies combined that ever fought this country in terms of culture and societal breakdown. Why would a man fund district attorneys who release criminals onto the streets? Why would a man fund judges and district attorneys who are semi-literate to begin with, who release criminals onto the streets? Why would he create a third world of terror, riots, mobs and chaos as America has become? It's part of the plot. Now, I could say Biden is largely responsible for the chaos. And I wouldn't be wrong. He is the leader of the country. And he seems to always make the wrong decision about almost everything. 
However, why would we read that George Soros's son has been in and out of the White House 40, 50 times over the last several years? What is he doing there? Who is he advising? And why is he advising the downfall of America? We have the horror going on in Ukraine. We have the horror going on in the Middle East. We have the horrors going on in our cities where mobs of youth or teens uh, rampaging through stores with impunity because the DAs won't, the cops can't, and then the DAs release them. What does it mean when you have a mayor who calls white police officers crackers and still has his job? Every day in the police department, I kicked those crackers. Man, I was unbelievable in the police department when he one of the black law enforcement. Came a sergeant, a lieutenant, and a captain. You know the story. Some people all of a sudden trying to reinvent me. What do you say, Josh, when we have the nice Joe Biden sitting in the Oval Office who was using the race card not only while he was running for office, but as near as a few months ago? He just stopped recently demonizing white people when he realized it wasn't playing anymore. Um, why won't he address the fundamental issue of our time in this country, which is the crime wave in our cities? It's him. It's the Machiavellian, cynical Joe Biden. How could anyone disagree with that? Who else is doing it? Donald Trump? We didn't have crime like this under Donald Trump. Then you have the meltdown of our universities, etc. You know, when I don't want to get ahead of our discussion, but uh, you asked me who? I gave a name. So who is inside the plot? But Soros is not alone. Soros is one part of the Hydra head. The ACLU was around long before Soros, but he was funding them. The National Lawyers Guild, all communist lawyers long before Soros, they were undermining the nation like boll weevils. So you had the, these armies of red diaper doper baby lawyers who were dismembering the nation. And I've been trying to yell about this for 30 years now. When we're living through this insurrection where Biden has lynched white America and gotten away with it. And uh, people have bought the big lie that there's a thing called white privilege. I, as an immigrant son, find that to be astounding. We have a plot almost to bankrupt the nation through Biden inflation. Biden inflation is bankrupting the nation. you got billionaire bailouts. you got the Chinese auction on American farmland. You got the electric vehicle, which are electric virtue vehicles. You got to show you're virtuous by driving an electric vehicle, not an evil uh, a gas engine. You've got the chaos going on in America, which I've just mentioned. The police were defunded and now the cities are falling. We've got a fractured America, you know, but within the conservative side, meaning the Republican Party, we have a conspiracy as well. Moonshine Mitch, for example, I call Mitch McConnell Moonshine Mitch. The reason I call him that is because he comes from the Moonshine state of Kentucky. And I ask in the book, did Moonshine Mitch throw the 2022 midterms? It looks to me like he did that. Now, we, we heard that abortion cost the Republicans terribly in the last election just a few weeks ago. I remember coming on the air on Newsmax. I was the first in the media to say it's, it was the abortion issue that would destroy the Republican Party if they pushed it. And I asked the question, Josh, who was it within the Republican establishment that moved the abortion issue up on the Supreme Court calendar 
to make it appear before these last elections. How do things get on Supreme Court calendars? Which clerk or clerks made that an issue to be discussed and, and voted upon prior to an election? And that became an issue that sank many Republicans. No, absolutely. It was a it was a lightning rod for controversy and it energized the left, particularly the abortion activists, in a way that had not been in a generation. Uh, and I think that this past election that we saw a few days ago, uh, Virginia, Kentucky and other places, uh, there's an argument to be made that abortion factored into the Republican losses that occurred. Savage. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. So, Dr. Savage, if I'm understanding you correctly, George Soros is very much at the center of this plot. But of course, he's not alone. You have the Democratic leaders, uh, President Joe Biden. Uh, and you also have this is a, in some regards a bipartisan effort. Yes. You've got the, the establishmentarians on the right. You have Mitch McConnell and the like. Uh, how much does corporate America and mm. the far left uh, nonprofit industry and even big tech play a role in this plot? I think we only have to look at who attended a dinner with the dictator from China, Chairman Xi or Z. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Truthfully, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to this dictator. I, I think it's Xi, but I'm not up on my Mandarin to sufficiently tell you that's the correct pronunciation. So you read that there's a dinner. What was it? One hundred thousand dollars a plate, a million dollars a plate at the Hyatt Regency after the big meeting with Biden. So who's there? Tim Cook of Apple. Elon Musk is there. I forget all the names, but the names. Larry Fink. So, you know, Rock. you know, the names. So they're they're the corporate uh, uh, titans that want to tear it all down. And why would they want to destroy Western civilization? Well, it's a way of life that they want to destroy. And that is uh, only understood if you understand who communist Klaus Schwab is of the World Economic For Forum. I believe that the future is not state capitalism or shareholder capitalism. The future is what I call stakeholder capitalism, which um, is combined with the social responsibility. When you say build back better, Josh, you have to think about what does that mean? You can only build back something that has been torn down. This is the plot the globalists have conceived. They want to tear down Western civilization. Most importantly, it's crown jewel, the United States, and build it back into something alien to our principles and under their complete control, which would be a one world government that they control. That's what I see. I think a lot of people share that sentiment, and I'm sure that you delve much deeper about this stuff into the book. And again, if you haven't ordered a copy of Dr. Savage's new book, Savage Republic, Inside the Plot to Destroy America, uh, I know I'm going to be picking up a copy and everybody listening absolutely should do so, as they should with every other book that you've written. But, you know, you look at the book list right now, Josh, the number one book was Britney Spears book. Then Barbara Streisand's book and then the left winger and then uh, a, a silly book called Marxism by Ted Cruz. I don't knock Ted Cruz, but that's to me, say Marxism is responsible for it all. That's like baby talk. I was saying that 30 years ago. 
What good does that do us? Marxism, cultural Marxism, big deal. What does that tell anybody? We've all heard it. There's nothing new under the sun with that. So you say, well, what's new in my book? That's a great question. I'll let people decide. Well, Dr. Savage, I'm sure there's a lot of knowledge and new stuff in the book. You've always been an original idiosyncratic thinker. <laughs> idiosyncratic is the word, isn't it? Uh, that that That's the way that I've always uh, understood you. And that's why I tuned in and have tuned in for you for years as opposed to other guests. But let's let's move forward. Uh, of course, the war in Gaza uh, has uh, taken up a lot of attention around the globe. Uh, it goes without saying that the atrocities that took place in Israel on October 7th have shocked uh, Israel, the Jews, and just people from around the world, regardless of what color and creed they are. What do you make, Dr. Savage, of what Israel has done thus far in Gaza? Do you believe that they have done a good job militarily? How do you feel about the PR war that they're waging? And ultimately, could you predict what's going to happen with Gaza hmm. long term? What's going to happen to the oh. Palestinian people? A three-pronged question for you, and I know, but I know you could you could break it down. I'll, for I'll do my best. Everybody as we always do. The minute the Hamas masterminded this attack, which leaves more questions than answers of how they got away with that, incidentally, when you have the most advanced surveillance state on earth called Israel with Mossad, et cetera, and they were caught off guard. I'm sorry, I don't buy that. That's number one. I still don't buy it. So let's put that aside. Let's go to the massacre. Once that massacre of Jews occurred, Hamas calculated all the steps that would follow. They would trade Palestinian terrorists in Israeli jails for the hundreds of hostages. We saw that. When the Israelis would go into their tunnels, they would kill, meaning the Hamas people would kill some of the hostages and say, oh, look what the Israelis did to this poor girl. We were we were taking care of her. We were giving her food. We were about to release her in a trade for our heroes. And the Israelis killed her in their zeal to kill poor Palestinians. The Israelis lost the minute the first shot was fired in this war. They can't win. They've lost the public relations war, which is very important worldwide. We could see what's going on. And they have almost no choice now. It's this. Uh, what should they do? If they had not gone in, then they would have been seen as weak and would have invited more attacks. Uh, if they went in just mildly and didn't blow up all of northern Gaza, what would they have achieved? What have they achieved having gone in and blown up all of northern Gaza? I don't see any hostages coming out. So we read that there's a, a, a truce coming and that a couple of hundred hostages, God willing, will be released. But what about the Palestinian terrorists will be released who one of whom, by the way, was released in the last prisoner trade who masterminded this attack, incidentally. People don't Correct. know that. So Israel's in a no-win situation, Josh. They can't win this. The real question for me is, will there be a Jewish state after this? I don't mean the next day or the next month. Wow. How could a Netanyahu government even stay in power after a thing like this? 
He is the leader. It happened under his watch. No matter what the reasons are, he's responsible, in my opinion. And he should have resigned by now. I, that's a separate. You didn't ask me that. But I'm sorry. He's not the war hero he was 30 years ago. The Netanyahu name had a lot of currency 30 years ago. And it's not to the base his entire life. But to let this happen, how was it a failure of intelligence? I still don't understand that part of it. But let's look ahead. As I said, Israel's already lost the public relations war. The war of ideas has been lost. The world is now lined up against Israel. I, I did a recent podcast and the title is very telling. I didn't like saying it. And I, I, I have to repeat it here because I think it's more telling than me just talking about this in circles. What, what did I call this? Not liberalism. I, um, I wish I could find it under videos. I'm sorry. I'm looking for the title right here. Well, one was how did Israeli intelligence miss the Hamas attack? Is Hamas operating America? That was the next one. The real question is, where does Israel go from here? Can they survive as a Jewish state? First of all, the 300,000 or so reservists where there are guys and women and men in their 20s and 30s, they are the heart and, and, and soul of the high tech industry, of all of the young businesses in Israel. They're all now in uniform. The economy is going to collapse. The only thing keeping the Israeli economy alive right now would be the war. That's terrible to say. Tourism. Israel lived to a great extent on tourism. Who is going to go to Israel after this? And for what reason? That's two. Uh, number three, the religious fanatics in Israel are fighting with the secular society on a daily basis. I don't think that that's going to hold much longer. I don't see how that could go on much longer. And what I didn't like most recently was the ultra-religious attacking Christians and Christian sites in Israel. Don't think the Christians don't know that's yes. going on. They do. And they didn't like it either. So, yeah, Israel will survive this in the short term. The world's not committed to the death of Israel. But as a, an idea, the, the shining beacon in the Middle East, with all the scenes coming out of dead children, Palestinian children in the rubble, who could not be moved rightly or wrongly, by the sight of a crying father with his heart broken because his Palestinian baby is dead in his arms after an Israeli bombing raid. And I say, well, OK, if we had had iPhones in World War II during World War II, we never would have won World War II because somebody would have held up an iPhone showing the devastation of the firebombing of Tokyo before it was atomic bombed. When the British bombed, firebombed Dresden and burned this ancient city to the ground, how many hundreds of thousands of innocent Germans were killed? Babies, women, men, old men, young. We don't know. There were no iPhones. There was no Wolf Blitzer sitting there with a camera reporting live from Dresden, showing the poor Germans who were dying. So it's a new world now. And I'm not sure there's a place for a real war in the new world. Savage. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. So it comes back to the conundrum. What is Israel supposed to do? Either they let it happen on purpose or their guard was down or or uh, or such. But it happened. And 1,400 innocents were killed, 300 taken hostage. What would I do if I was the general of, of, of uh, Israel? What could I do? Would you just sue for peace immediately, trade all the Palestinians in jail to get out every last hostage 
And then once you get all the hostages out, go and bomb the hell out of everything left in Gaza. I heard that that's one thing that's going to happen, by the way. They will trade the the Palestinian murderers in their prisons for all, for every hostage. And then once they get them out, they're going to really unleash their army on Gaza. I don't think we've seen it all yet, uh, Josh. Interesting. And do you think that I mean, we know that it is impossible or near impossible to destroy an ideology. Oh Unfortunately, I think radical Islamic thought, Wahhabism, whatever is driving Hamas and other jihadists around the world is something incredibly difficult, if not impossible, to eradicate. But do you think that Israel could destroy Hamas, wipe it off the face of the earth, talking about just Hamas in Gaza, uh, not civilians, of course, uh, and do you think that Israel will either reoccupy Gaza, there'll be an international force to oversee Gaza? What does a post-Gaza, post-Hamas Gaza look like in your view, in the context of the very important structural challenges that you laid out that Israel has in the future, that it's suffering now and has in the future as well? Well, not being an Israeli and not being on the ground and not having suffered directly as, the, as a result of this attack or not having fought in any of the previous wars, I, I'm almost reluctant to answer the question. That's a question really that an Israeli should answer. But I'll take a shot as an American observer of social phenomenon and political phenomenon. Back in 2005, when the great general Ariel Sharon, who I admired enormously for his feat of encircling the Egyptian army, by racing across the Suez Canal. I'll never forget that. It was one of the greatest, most phenomenal military uh, uh, moves in, in history. Instead of killing the Egyptians that they encircled, they treated them very well because they knew how to live in peace with them. That's number one. That's something every leader understands in a war. You do not brutalize a civilian population because you have to live with them after it. I don't want to get carried away to the Russia Ukraine thing because that that by the way is exactly Putin's approach to to uh, to Ukraine. He could have blown Ukraine off the map a long time ago. They could have atomized Kiev with everything in it, but they knew they would have to live in peace with the Ukrainians after this. So they've been doing this war of attrition. But coming back to Gaza, so when Ariel Sharon gave Gaza to the Palestinians. It was done so after many Americans and Europeans, liberals, donated millions of dollars to build greenhouses. And it was an agricultural oasis in, in, in Gaza. Yes. The Israelis thought that if they left behind everything, including their graves, the graves of their ancestors and their synagogues, the Palestinians would pick up where they left off and they would grow oranges. They would grow uh, roses. Uh, and they would export fruit to the Netherlands and they would dance together and do a horror together with the Palestinians who were given this beachfront property. They turned it into a new Miami. Beautiful area. If the Palestinians were given to something other than murder. Uh, they could have turned Gaza into a, a, a new a new Mediterranean oasis, but they didn't. Dr. Savage, you could have had Trump Tower Gaza if they <laughs> wanted, but they chose they chose something else. They chose a different path. Trump Tower guy. Trump would have probably built a golf course in the desert. Can you imagine <laughs> Jews and Arabs golfing together in Gaza? Wouldn't that be something? That's peace. 
That's peace right there. We have to get Jared Kushner on the line to discuss. <laughs> so what's the answer? To you? You're asking a bigger question than this. OK, so Ariel Sharon gives back Gaza. The first thing they do is start launching rockets. They rip the greenhouses apart and turn them into launching pads. And then this little population of Gaza, which was rather tiny, becomes millions and millions of people. No other Arab nation on Earth wants the Palestinians, not the Egyptians, not the Jordanians, uh, not the Lebanese, because everyone forgets that wherever the Palestinians have gone after one of their wars, they've caused a revolution in the country and undermined it. Look what they did to Lebanon. After they were thrown out of Jordan because they tried to overthrow the Jordanian monarchy. Yes. And more Jordanians, yes. uh, more Palestinians were killed by the Jordanian military at the time than had ever died in all the wars against Israel. I think 30,000 Palestinians died trying to take over Jordan. They were killed by the Jordanian military. And and the, the PLO marked it down as Black September. So where did they go? They went to Lebanon. And what did they do? They caused a civil war with the uh, 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 Lebanese Druze, Christian population, and decimated a once phenomenally beautiful country called Lebanon, which was apparently one of the most beautiful places on Earth. They've turned it into another hellhole. So they are bent with their philosophy, not on the beauties of the world, not on the beautiful parts of Islam, which exist, because for centuries, Islam did produce architects who created beautiful architecture and things of that nature. And they lived in relative peace with their neighbors until, as you mentioned earlier, the Wahhabi sect originated. People don't know what a Wahhabism is, nor should we go waste a lot of time. It's a it's a violent, radical sect of Islam that was developed by a thinking name Wahhab, I think, in Saudi Arabia, if I'm not mistaken. Right. It was, he was a Saudi. And he was given toward a world revolution against the whole world to convert everyone to Islam. So, in other words, a holy war, a jihad against everyone, Jew, Christian, uh, fellow Muslims who are not conformist to their madness, their fifth century view of religion, Buddhists, Hindus, it doesn't matter who. So unless this sect is reformed within Islam itself, there is no hope for humanity. Recently, I had a phenomenal uh, interview, a podcast, as a matter of fact, with a great man. He's a Muslim, Syrian refugee, Syrian immigrant, goes to medical school, becomes a fabulous cardiologist, goes into the U.S. Navy, many years in the Navy, and now he's running for office, Mr. Jasser, uh, in, in, in Arizona for Congress. And uh, his theory is that not his his reasonable theory is that only by reforming Islam can the world survive. So he runs organizations trying to reform Islam and uh, people don't even know who he is. They should know who he is because he is the most important reformist on the planet. I'm trying to find his. See, I put in listen here and I have such a poor uh, search engine on my web. Anyway, it's. It's Mr. Dr. Jasser, and I can't put my fingers on it, but it's about can, with him. here. I'm it is. Familiar. Can Islam be reformed? That was the title of it. That was the title of uh, of the podcast with him. Can Islam be reformed in the U.S.? It's so important that people listen to that podcast because he's the, he's the one explaining what he means, that only a reformist Islam can live with the rest of the world. So, Dr. Savage, before we could even delve into whether or not 
the Israelis could take over Gaza. There's an international force taking over Gaza. Maybe the Gazan people self-rule. That there is an ideology that undergirds that entire region and specifically that small strip of land. And unless that is also addressed, that then there really is very little hope uh, for Israel to make peace with its its neighbor in the strip. Savage. Home of borders, language, culture, the Savage Nation. Well, Israel will survive as an idea. It'll survive also as a shrunken nation. I don't think there are going to be too many people moving back to a kibbutz near the border of Gaza ever again. So, in yeah. other words, Israel's already shrunk. Part of the terror campaign was to drive people with such fear from living in, on a kibbutz in this desert area, which they turned into gardens. People saw these kibbutz. They were carved out of a desert and turned into these beautiful beautiful model villages through yes. phenomenal hard, phenomenally hard work. They won't exist anymore. Who would live there? So people are going to migrate to the cities like Tel Aviv and Jerusalem and the largest cities where they more, feel more protected in the citadel than they would be out in these country uh, uh, places. So the country's going to change that way. Who's going to rule Gaza? Well, we read all these stories that Israel wants to divide North Gaza from South Gaza to give themselves some freedom from attacks by controlling the land in North Gaza. And yes. who's going to patrol it? You're going to put young Israeli men and women on the streets to walk around and have themselves killed day and night? Right. How's that going to work? Right. The question is whether or not Israel has the the gumption uh, and, the, and the fortitude to, uh, to do that. So I think that was a very comprehensive answer. Um, so Dr. Savage, switching gears uh, to 2024, uh, president, former President Donald Trump is still leading in many of the polls. Uh, DeSantis appears to have faded in some of the key swing states. Uh, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley appears yeah. uh, ascendant in some of those polls. Uh, and major donors, particularly on Wall Street in Silicon Valley, uh, seem to be excited about her candidacy. Um uh, what do you make about the race so far? Do you, who do you think is going to win the primary? Hmm. Uh, and do you think that the winner of that primary, the Republican primary, uh, will face off against Joe Biden and be successful? I'm f no, first of all, I, I predicted not too long ago that before everyone started saying it, uh, the power structure inside the Democrat Party and probably the Republican Party as well have already selected Gavin Newsom to be the candidate on the Democrat side, not Biden. Then it came out that even Biden said Gavin will be a good candidate. He even said that himself. They've told him that he's going out to the funny farm. He's going to have the, you know, the great reward very soon. The only question is, OK, so the Democrats send Gavin to China prior to Z's trip here to run him up the flagpole like an advertising agency used to do to see how it sells. Gavin comes across very well. He's tall. He's movie star. Good looking. As I've said, I, there's no secret. I know him personally for many years. We were this far apart politically. But if I send him an email on a political subject, I get an intelligent answer from him. Really thought out. And we don't agree on things necessarily, but he's much smarter than people think he is. Incidentally, it's easy to write him off. So he will be the candidate. 
He looked good in China other than the fall on the basketball court with the kid. But even right. that looked good because he protected the kid from being hurt. He didn't fall on him. He's got a beautiful right. wife. He's got many three children. They're like a beautiful American family, which, of course, is a deficit to the left in America. Good looking white man, beautiful blonde wife and beautiful white children. Those are four strikes, five strikes against them already. Uh, if he had married a, a male uh, campaign aide who was a transsexual, he'd have a better chance amongst uh, the, the occasional cortex crowd. But putting aside uh, my, my absurd joke, he'll be the candidate. It's now coming out that he is going to be the candidate. The only question is how? How do they move Biden out and make Gavin all of a sudden the number one guy? What do they do with the big Kamala? What do they do with her? Now, Gavin and Kamala come from the same uh, <laughs> the same uh, uh, power structure in San Francisco. You can call it the Pelosi uh, uh, Getty power structure. They run which the you city. coined, by the way. We've discussed this many times. That you coined the Getty. Pelosi machine in California. It's a machine. And this machine has destroyed the city and the state. Incidentally, I don't care about power structures as long as they have a semblance of of uh, concern for the citizenry and, and, and the and the, the edifices that they inhabit and that they're ripping off. But when they're robbing it blind and destroying it, they're like ISIS. So I, I'm not too happy with the power structure. So this power structure put Kamala in place. And add Willie Brown to the mixture, by the way. How are they going to move Kamala out? I would ask you strategically, you know more about politics from a legalistic point of view than I do. They give her another job. Wasn't she a senator before this? Yes. So she's not going to want to be a set. She's going to resign the vice presidency to become a senator. I don't know what they do with her. And they can't suddenly make Gavin the president. Let's say Biden has a stroke. OK, Kamala's president. Well, then what? Then they make Gavin the vice president. They move him in that way. And that's and one he- option. And, and Dr. Savage, another interesting angle to this to this discussion is that Gavin Newsom made a pledge that as the governor of California, he will appoint individuals of color to the Senate Ugh. in the instance of there being uh, 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 someone leaving the Senate. So they did that with with Barbara Boxer and they they did that with with Dianne Feinstein. So how does Gavin Newsom say, hey, it's my turn as a white (laughs) man to be president if the person who's number two, the vice president, is a woman of color? He has cornered himself because it's very Uh, good for everyone else, not for him. Right. Exactly. That's number one. But number two, look, the issue is is so nakedly clear that these people are such ideologues that they'd eat themselves for their own ideology. Uh, Yeah, you raise a good point. Okay, only women of color, even if they're stupid. I don't care if a person's a colored person or a white person. How about quality? As I've said before, without quality, they're not there cannot be equality. We saw the hearings for federal judges. I couldn't believe what I was watching. It was a white woman coming up for federal judgeship who could not answer a simple question from Senator Kennedy, who was asking, what's the difference between an injunction and a stay? She didn't know the difference. Right. Where are they getting these people from? Why can't they get a woman of color who's of great intelligence and of great character? Why? Why do they have to pick the stupidest of all? So, Dr. Savage, thanks so much. I'll let you go. One last note I just want to leave you with. I was in Crown Heights for the oh. Kinnis 
the Chabad Kinnis event, which is the annual event of all oh, the rabbis I saw all around there. the yeah. world. And I can't tell you, you probably know this already, how many rabbis listen to you? Really? I had no idea. It's un- it is unbelievable. And I- in Chabad, they love you, Doc. They love you. I wish Seriously. I knew it. I wish I knew more about that because I looked at the, those that sea of faces of all the bearded guys, and I said yeah. to myself, "Why was I not there? Why am I not there?" The answer is because even when I'm invited to something, I say yes, and then I don't show up. Because I'm afraid, <laughs> of, I'm afraid of crowds with COVID and handshakes and knishes and sponge cake. I don't. Well, know. I could tell. I, I, you know what? Look, they wouldn't leave you alone. I'll tell you that. So I don't blame you. No, I, I need the support of human beings like that. They are the core they, of Doc. Of, they love, they love you. Like, I wish I, how did you know that? How did you find that? How did my name even come up? So, okay. So first of all, first of all, uh, I, I loved your interview with uh, Rabbi Dove Bear Pinson. Oh, he's an amazing man. He's, he, he's fantastic. So I saw this rabbi when I went there. I mean, there were tons of them. And I said, I talked to him. Where are you from? San Francisco. So I said, do you know? Dr. Michael Savage, he goes, of course, I listened to him all the time and listening for years. But he said, I've not met him. I'm a rabbi in a jail uh, as a chaplain. I go and, and wow. meet him. Anyways, then another rabbi comes uh, from Manhattan, Rabbi Krasnansky. From the, the, he says to me, oh, Dr. Savage, I love Michael Savage. I listened to him like my own rabbi, Rabbi Krasnansky, Moishi Krasnansky in Montreal. Unbelievable. I mean, the the Chabad rabbis... They're crazy about you. They love you. I mean, uh, I don't know what else to say. I so. can't believe I, you know, and, you know, I work alone. I live. I work alone. Me and it's me and a camera and a microphone doing my podcasts and talking through YouTube and the podcast and interviews like this. But, you know, the lack of human contact can be very caustic to a person's mind and soul. I know you, you're smart for going out and risking your life with COVID and, and shaking everyone's hand. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 did you see remember when you were at a Fabrangan with doctor with uh, Rabbi Pinson and yes. San Francisco? Yes. You know that there's an article written about it. I never saw on, it. On uh, CO, I'll send it to you. Oh. C-O-L, C-O-L live.com. What's C-O-L live? It's uh, the Chabad News Network. Oh, they cover all the happenings me. in Crown Heights. Oh, I had no idea. No, my own rabbi didn't yeah. tell me about it. So there's it. a photo. There's a great, there's a beautiful photo of you and, and Rabbi Pinson together. C-O-Live.com? So, yeah, C-O-L-Live.com. Like so, Colonel, so, Colonel Live. Yeah. See, see, so I'll email you the link. Isn't that something? Doc, I mean, you have a huge following there. Wow. And I and I actually remember when you you that Rabbi Pinson's book on Tzfilin yes. inspired you. You did a video. Yes. So again, COL Live, I'll send you this link. They wrote up your YouTube video on that. Oh, my God. Here it is. Erev Shabbos and Crown Heights. I never heard of this. Here it is, Joshua. Doc, I'm telling you, there are the, the Chabad community. Is oh, watching. my God. Yeah, that is a great picture. It's a great photo. Oh, I remember that. It was just out of nowhere. Oh, my God. It's a great it's a great photo here. And I'll send you another. This is you putting on Tzfilin. That's COL live covered. I just emailed it to you. 
I'm a, I'm a novice. You know, I'm late to the game. These people are the real McCoy. I wonder. And how- funny, this website wrote an article about you. Which? In, in uh, COL Live, uh, September 6th, 2012. The mystic sav uh, the mystic rabbi savage met. Oh, look at and this! It's a Joshua photo of Kaplan, you. radio host puts on to fill in during live broadcast. That's astounding. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to send you one more of you written in COL Live. It's actually another great photo of you. Uh, I need to hang around with these people a little more. I got to get my spirit back. Listen, Doc, they, they don't get their spirit from you. I don't, you know, well, the, 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 it'll war be in both Israel. ways, believe me. War in Israel. These guys killing. love you. War in Israel's eating us all alive. It's the greatest. You blow. know what? The Kiddus event, that that annual event of all the, the Chabad rabbis, despite the thing in Israel, it was very uplifting. Because they have Everybody each other was. and they're not alone. They feel no, each other's energy and spirit. Doc, yeah. we were... Four or five thousand people. We were dancing. We were singing. We were doing lachayams. Like it was, it you was incredible. Sick, huh? <laughs> you didn't get a cold. You didn't get so much as a sniffle. A, a, a touch. I have a touch. <laughs> I just sent you the the third, and then I'll let you go because I know you're busy. I'm not but that busy. Joshua Kaplan White, the Mystic Rabbi. What is this one? Oh my God! What year is this? This is 20, uh, 2012. Oh. Doc, if you go into collive.com, go to the top right in the search bar and type your name in. Okay, I see. What This is from 2012? There's an article of you from 2010. Savage praises Lubav girls. Uh, Radio host Michael Savage met counselors from Gan Israel day camps of Berkeley and San Francisco at Rabbi Yosef Langer's Shabbos table and raved about them on his show. I'm astounded. Yeah, there's an article that you showed up to uh, the Shluchim show or whatever. There's a motorcycle show in uh, uh, oh the CoolJew.com. Rabbi Yosef Singer tells his iconic talks about his uh, motorcycle with. With uh, with Michael Savage in twenty uh, in in two thousand nine. Well, you're on their radar, so I better be very careful what I say. (laughs) You know what, Doc? I think that they appreciate you for who you are. You're unvarnished. You're not going in there pretending that you're a rabbi. You're open and honest with the fact that you're not a religious man. But that you're a spiritual man and you're in touch with with your soul and 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 with God in your own way, and that's more than a lot of people who they encounter. So I think that the I well, think they the just want thing you is, to come as you they are. Don't like me because I eat shrimp. I get it online all the time. Just because we <laughs> I said that should be my worst crime. Look, <laughs> you don't know what the rabbis do when they go on vacation. We have to take a look at their Uber Eats uh, order. Very funny, Josh. Right? Thanks for your time. You're always. The best, very insightful, very Hamish, very down to earth, very real. And and you go right inside the heart of darkness. Thanks, Doc. Thank you. Awesome. So much. Thank you so much. Shabbat Shalom. And I'll and I'll I'll send you that stuff. Savage. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll learn something from it. 
We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.